Hello, another episode of High and Wide Radio. I'm your host, Angry Jim, here with host Jack Smith. How you feeling tonight, Jackie? After that Phillies win, I'm feeling pretty damn good. <laughs> Did you go to the game? No, I was at Chicken and Pete's. That's <laughs> ah, close enough, close enough. It was good to see some competitive baseball. Yeah, I mean, the first game of a brand new season, a lot of hope for the Phillies. Unfortunately, it's it's kind of the opposite for the Flyers. They're pretty much all but eliminated from playoff contention. Um, still mathematically, it even feels dumb just to say it. They're still mathematically in it. Um, but there's a few other topics that we can discuss. We don't have to be all doom and gloom uh, about the Flyers as their season is coming to an end. Uh, I think they have a back-to-back this weekend. You know, actually pretty big games, too, if, if you know, you're still holding out hope. Um, they have the Hurricanes tomorrow, and they have the Rangers. I'm sorry, the Hurricanes. Yeah, Hurricanes tomorrow and Rangers on Sunday. That's correct, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, but in the meantime, we, we have a couple other things to discuss. Um, the Flyers re-signed a player this week in the one Michael Raffle. Uh, it would seem people are kind of split. And, you know, the, the funny thing, and I know we're kind of new to, to Flyers Twitter. Um, I guess we're still babies after a year. Um, people kind of flip out over the, the craziest thing, like uh, like Michael Raffle. Like, people are – you're either really against it or you're – you're for it. Like, there's no middle ground with this Michael Raffle signing. What, what kind of – what do you think about the signing, Jack? It's definitely not a bad thing. I mean, he's, a like, the ultimate utility player. Um, I would have preferred a one-year deal, but when it's a two, I mean, he could be, depending on how your prospects go, like, he could be your 13th forward. Um, the main argument I saw was a lot of people came out and they're not wrong when they were basically saying like, well, how are you going to see your young kids and see what they got? If you got this guy blocking somebody and a lot of people defending the raffle signing were saying, well, was he, he's on the fourth line. None of you, these players play on the fourth line. How are they going to block people? Yada, yada. And there's, there's good points on both sides. Uh, and I do like raffle and it's a very cheap contract. But the thing I will say is, I understand he's not blocking anybody. He's not blocking Joel Farabee or Morgan Frost. But guys like Albu Bell and even, you know, Vorobiev and, you know, maybe even, God, there's so many names at different tiers. Like there's the Morgan Frosts and the Farabees, and then there's the Albu Bells. And, you know, there's like different tiers of players that you need to see. And yeah, he's not blocking Morgan Frost, but he might be blocking somebody else. And you don't, yeah, I understand your prospects aren't supposed to play on the fourth line, but you put them wherever you can. And the typical fourth line isn't a thing anymore. You're you're supposed to roll four good lines to be competitive. And that's how you win hockey games. So just because a guy's playing on the fourth line doesn't mean he can't learn something or be competitive. So the, I'm not against it if he's used properly. I don't want to see somebody get injured instead of putting like a guy like Lindblom or Konechny or whoever at the, on the top line sticking uh, Raffle up there. I would definitely be against that. I don't. I just. I but I do want to see some of our young kids. And I'm just going through some names in my head. It's like you got Rupsoff coming back. Farabee signed his entry level contract. Frost is making a serious push. Uh, David Cott. It was a case or. Kashi or something. Kashi. Kashi, he's making a push. 
Vorobiev's already been up here. All Kubel's been knocking on the door for the past three years. And, you know, you got guys like Justin Bailey, Corbin Knight. I'm sure there's other names, Phil Veroni, like Vecchione. Like, when are, like you're going to want to see these guys and signing a guy like Raffle. I mean, we're, I just, I'm at the point where I'm like, I guess we're just going to start cutting prospects. Yeah, it, it just how it feels. It's like you're not getting rid of Hartman. You're not getting rid of Lawton. Russell was your odd man out, and you re-signed him to a two-year deal. So either they're not signing anybody in free agency and tr- rolling with the team they got in some way, shape, or form, which I find very hard to believe, or they're just going to start kissing the prospects. Yeah, all right, I guess you're going to either be a career phantom or we're just going to have to trade you or cut you. And it's just that seems extremely silly to me, but I don't know. It's, it is, it's not bad, but it's, I see there being log, a logjam of problems. Yeah, you sound like you're getting uh, worked up over there. I feel like you really don't like that move. I don't see a direction for this team right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's I just it's been such a clusterfuck since since Hextall got fired. The way they handled that was ridiculous. The way they handled Hextall was ridiculous. They only called Carter hard up to sell Santa Sacks, and thank God it was the one like move that worked because he just finally you know he took off. Um, I, for all I know, they're going to resign Scott Gordon because he was okay. You know what I mean? You don't want to resign Scott Gordon. Sounds no, like. no, no. We're come on. We're better than this. Like, and it's just the way they've handled the, the Stolarz trade and Talbot since then. The Samuel Moran thing. Uh, this this bullshit belief that they're going to make the playoffs. You know, and clearly they're not. And just. Just every the way they've handled everything this year has been completely botched, and they look so bush league because of it. And I'm I'm just I'm really worried about. I'm starting really worried. And I see this signing. I'm like, what direction is this team going? Where's are we going to see Rubstoff ever? You know, he was a first round pick, and he was actually playing good before he got hurt. And it's so it's just like I can name you so many players that, that I don't understand what the process with these guys are going to be. And I hate to lose somebody for nothing. Like, that's bad asset management. And so far, what I've seen from Fletcher on a very small scale is bad asset management. And, you, you know, we really didn't get what we hoped for from Simmons. Um, the Stolar's tablet trade was just boneheaded and stupid. And the way they didn't play tablet at all proves it. They didn't trade Elliott and get anything back worth a damn. Now they might, he wants to stay, I'm hearing. So, what are we going to sign everybody now? Like, uh-huh. this is just stupid. Like, I just, I don't know what's going on. And every time there's a move made, it's a counterintuitive. Like, you re-sign Raffle two years, you sign Faraby to entry-level deal, knowing Morgan Frost is on the door. Not to mention several other guys who have been there for a while. It's like, what the hell's going on? And the only way I can see this working is if they sign nobody in free agency. Is that what you want? (laughs) (laughs) It's not what I want. So, So, I'm, I'm trying to rationalize it. And why I like the guy, why he can be good for the team. Just just explain to me the direction you're taking the team. Some trades need to go down. Like, they has to. So, and I, you know, I, I'm not sticking up for anybody in the Flyers organization. You know, you know, I can get pretty fired up. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at their roster now and, uh, and I'm looking at the fourth line specifically. Even even a third line, I don't think is completely built built up. Um, I'm looking at the fourth line, and I see a guy like Michael Roffle on the fourth line, and, and I'm okay with that. I mean, it's he's going to make 
per year for the next two years after this season. Uh, took a pay cut. Uh, I guess you can call it that. I mean, he's lucky to have a, uh, a spot here, but, you know, it's still a pay cut. Um, I'm okay with a guy like Michael Raffle on the fourth line. I think I, I think the Flyers could have gotten something for him at the deadline, and you know, they chose to keep him or he chose to stay. And uh, I think that's fine. He's not going to be a guy that's going to win you any games, but I don't think he's going to – you're not going to lose games because of Michael Raffle either. So, you know, as much as I'm like, okay, well, we're keeping a, an older guy around, I, it, was, it was tough for me to get, to get angry, if you could believe that. Um, I'm looking at guys like Corbin Knight, Phil Verone, Justin Bailey on, on the fourth line here, and I'm like, damn, like get these – even though they're younger guys, they, they don't serve a purpose. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and part of my frustration is you're going to have Raffle, but you know that the GM and coach is going to have at least one of Knight, Bailey, and Veroni up as well. And it's like, so we're really never going to see Aub Kubel again unless there's like a major injury. Like, and like, what's going to happen with Frost and Farabee? Are they going to have to miss out again? Is that the route we're going with this? Are they going to have to? get time seasons with the phantoms again Rubsoft's another name i mentioned like what the hell's going on here <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. that's what bothers me it's like because you know they're gonna have these other guys around and if you go through the whole team it's like then then add a free agent on top of that say say in some miracle world they add um panarin it's like so who so now who's left you know what i mean it's it's like I'm shuffling here. I don't know how they're – it's just I'm tired of seeing the guys, and I'm not talking about Raffle, but, like, the Veronis and the Corbin Knights. It's like they're like the the, the Van Videldies. Like, and that's – we don't want to see that shit anymore. No. And you, you, tra- you use assets on these guys, and we don't even get to see them. It's stupid. I'll tell you who's going to be fun to watch next year is the Phantoms. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was. It's like with the Phillies today. Oh, look at this lineup. Yeah, look at that Phantoms lineup. Like I can't. Wow, all these guys on the team and the league that's not as good as the one that we pay all the money to see, and we're never gonna see him up here because we have Phil Veroni and Corbin Knight. It's just. It's just. I don't know. It's just silly. Yeah, you know, you know, we could talk about. We're going to talk about the off season in a little bit, but. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see because I, I kind of feel like he's, uh, and Chuck Fletcher I'm talking about, is making these little subtle moves. I, I don't agree with, you know, I don't agree with the, the goalie trade. I don't understand, especially if you're not playing Talbot, I don't get it. Um, I'm not sure what he's doing with the defense. Like, why not play a guy like Moran just to get him some time? And uh, and in re-signing a guy like Raffle, you, you didn't really get anything for Simmons. It feels like, you know, he didn't want to get draft picks for Hartman. Uh, he was he was a first-round pick a couple of years ago. He was traded for a first-round pick. Um, and he justified the trade by saying that, in essence, we traded for a first-round pick, but he's already playing, which, you know, it sounds good. It makes sense. But when you hear first-round pick, you're thinking, uh, you know, like a Nolan Patrick or a James Van Riemsdyk, right? <laughs> I mean, ideally, you want a more offensive guy, not somebody who would be riding your fourth line. Right. After he's been in the league for two, three years. So uh, I'm thinking that he's trying to build the back end of the roster. You know, he's securing that he secured the backup goalie, even though the, even though I'm not crazy for the trade, he secured the backup goalie. If let's say Cam Talbot is going to be the backup next year. Um, he brought in Ryan Hartman who can play on the third or fourth line. 
and he re-signed Michael Raffle. So he's trying to, you know, uh, button up the loose ends, so to, so to speak. And then uh, I think we may see a, a move or two in the summer, maybe not so subtle. Um, but yeah, like, like, like we already said, we can get back to the roster. There's still, there's still more things to talk about here, believe it or not. Um, and one of those things was uh, Joel Farabee signed his entry-level contract. Uh, he had an outstanding year this year at the University of, I'm sorry, Boston University. And of course, I X'd out of his stats here. Uh, I think he had 16, he had 17 goals and 19 assists for 36 points in 37 games played uh, as an 18-year-old for the majority of the year. He turned 19 on February 25th. And uh, we might see him with the Phantoms for a couple games at the end of the year here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean that would be fantastic. And from what I hear, from what I hear, I'm, I wasn't sure how the age thing worked. Maybe that's a juniors thing. Uh, sounds like he could be playing as early as this year. <laughs> um, I mean that'd be phenomenal. Like he's just an, a, a left winger at that uh, offensive talent. Like we just don't draft pure wingers like that, especially ones that can score. And to add him to an already lethal Phantoms lineup is just. Let's get him going as quickly as possible. That that would be fantastic. Um, I mean, when they drafted this kid last summer, did you think that he it could be possible that he'd play on the team next year? Hell no. Yeah. Well, that was what Hex saw behind the you know the wheel. But um, he likes to overbake his prospects. But the reason I I would be surprised if he was a flyer anytime soon is because of the cluster cluster of players we got right now forwards. You know that goes to the raffle signing. He just. Just, there's a lot of players right now, so I don't know what they plan on doing. And I hope they start moving some guys out, some you know, not so good guys. I mean, yeah, you've seen Latera and Weiss leave, but they were replaced pretty quickly. So uh, I'm, I would love to see him. I don't know if he's ready for the NHL. I, I would love to see him with the Phantoms first and let the Flyers and Fletcher figure out what direction they're taking the team. But it is exciting to see that he's they're getting it like right away like they're like all right let's we're ready let's go let's let's do this and hey let me ask you a question if if you're a if you're a prospect a flyers prospect and you know that you know if hex calls the gm you're probably not going to see nhl action for two maybe three years um compared to maybe fletcher um i'm not sure how he did things in minnesota but hey if, if you play well enough you could get the call and at any time <clears throat> Isn't it? Don't you think it's easier to stay motivated if if it's possible that you can get called up at any time? It is. Uh, at the end of the day, I do think they are professionals. I do think they understand how teams try to avoid burning a year of an entry level contract. Uh, a lot of it's timing. Now, what you make up a good point about Hextall because he's so known for being wait, 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 wait. Like you get drafted at eighteen and you're not even sniffing the roster until twenty two. So I get that. Um, they got to be ready to go at all times because they got too much to prove looking at how many prospects this team has and the fact that they keep adding at the uh, pro level, especially if they go big time. That was what would keep me motivated, honestly. Um, and I could see lower level guys who were trade who were drafted later, just saying, Hey, I'm going to go back into the draft or I'm going to go sign with another team. But first round, first round picks, they got to play. They got to play at a high end level, and at the end of the day, you got to be skilled enough to make it happen. And yeah, I mean, he—it's good to see. And I, I get what you're getting at. 
Um, I think it's a little, it could be a little more complicated than that, but um, it's it for, for uh, Farabee, it's definitely good to see. I'm, I'm actually excited because I wasn't sure how long it would take him, at least at his level. He got to dominate and so far so good. I mean, college, a little, that competition is getting better and better and better. Yeah. And you know what? He's heading into next year. He'll be 19 years old. He'll turn 20 during the season. We've seen 19 and 20 year olds contribute at the NHL level. It's not unheard of. And it is possible that he could contribute uh, on some level to the flyers. I mean, whether it's, they could use a third line uh, left winger, or, or if he plays the right, they could use him on the third line. You know, um, hang on, hang on. I just clicked out of the roster here. Let me see. Uh, heading into next season, they'll have uh, let's say Claude Giroux plays the left wing. They'll have Giroux, Van Riemsdyk, Lindblom on the left side, and and maybe Raffle. So eh, maybe not. Um, right side, they'll have Konechny, Voracek. Uh, if they re-sign Ryan Hartman, and then that that gap on the fourth line. So, I mean, who knows? I don't know if he'll be up at the Flyers. But even if he's on the Phantoms, to me, I'm a little bit excited for that because that, that Phantoms roster is going to be stacked. I mean, I wish our Flyers roster was nice and stacked. But, you know, <laughs> it's what it is. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. I mean, uh, you know, they re-signed a veteran guy and then they signed uh, one of their stud prospects to an ELC. Uh, I think that those are usually three-year deals, aren't they? Yes. Okay, so – you know, within the next three years, we'll see Farabee definitely on the Flyers roster. That's for damn sure. I guess I guess what the thing is, I've been hearing about prospects and how they're coming since like 2000 and, you know, 14. And it's like now the guys that were drafted that year can't even crack the lineup because of the cluster. And everybody's good. All the prospects are good. All the teams they play for are pretty good. The Phantoms are good, but the Flyers are not good. And I've been hearing that for like six years now. And it's just getting really frustrating. And it proved my it's, my frustration has proven is we just saw Samuel Oran, who was drafted. It'll be six years in June. Plays like his first NHL, like real NHL game, like last night. And it's like it just blows my mind. I'm tired of everybody's good and everybody else is good, but where it matters, they're barely above average. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Uh... What'd you think of Samuel Moran last night? I mean, he didn't he didn't stand out in any bad ways to me, <laughs> which is a good thing, right? It's definitely, especially when you're talking defense. Uh, there was one play I, he kind of started a rush. I believe it led to a goal later in the game. I can't remember exactly what he did, but it was a smart play on on him. It was a breakout, and it led to I can't remember who scored, but I do remember them talking about it because I didn't realize it was him. Everything happened so fast, so that's good. Uh, but no, nobody really run around him like a pylon. So um, <laughs> I, I got to definitely see more of them. I and mean, how how many minutes did he even play? Uh, I think just under ten. It's more. I yeah, I thought it was like seven and a half. So I didn't. This is off the what I've seen. But uh, yeah, so it wasn't a whole lot, which I expect. But I really got to see him more consistently. And what I really want to see is him continue to play his game and not be too safe, even though he is prototypically a safer defenseman you still want to see him play his game because that's what got him drafted so high that and size but i want to see him use his size so you know it's only game 78 we're finally seeing the guy when we were told you know we we, we should know what we have in him and talbot by now even with his injury we should have a good really good idea and we're barely scratching the surface and we got six games left so it's kind yeah. of silly you're right. You're right. And I, I mean, it kind of sucks. 
you know, as much as I wanted the Steelers to get in the playoff hunt, and, and they did uh, somewhat, even though they never really got to within five points. Um, now it's kind of like, well, you know, they're going to they're gonna miss the playoffs. And I, I don't care about draft positioning, but did that prevent – did that prevent them from playing guys like Sam Moran a little bit? Because I know he wasn't ready until – I think they said February was when he really started ramping up his practicing and training. Would we have seen him earlier if he, if the Flyers weren't in the, uh, the playoff race? I think we would have seen him, Talbot, and more if we had more time to play, if they were like eliminated statistically like a month ago. Yeah. I think Scott Gordon is told he is the interim coach, and it's up to him to, you know – apply for the job it's a it's a trial run so he's going to start the best possible lineup and if your team is on it like making the playoffs from how bad they were looks really good even if they get a like destroyed the first round it still looks really good it you know oh wow they were this this and this and scott gordon made them make the playoffs even if they missed by a point compared to actually making the playoffs is a huge difference so putting a guy that he knows nothing about well, I shouldn't say nothing because he did coach him with the Phantoms a bit, but maybe he doesn't trust them. He likes what he has here. He likes Myers. He likes Sandheim. You know, he likes some of the he goes Stephen uh, and in his forwards. So and they, look what he's doing with the goalie. Like he's starting Elliott, Hart and Elliott. He didn't barely touches Talbot. So he's putting the lineup in front that he thinks he can best. You know, say why he deserves to be the head coach of the Flyers coming off season, and you can't blame him for that. He sets the lineup, so it's a little bit of a disconnect between the GM and the coach, but that's the nature of it. So it's hard to say once you're statistically eliminated, you know, it's like, all right, listen, you're going to play these guys. You're not making anything. It is what it is. But when you're still technically in it, you can use that as an excuse. And they do that. And that, I think that's what it comes down to is Scott Gordon taking a good shot at it, you know, trying to get the job. And it's unfortunate because I think it's, I think it's hurt our, I don't want to say our future, but it's we should know a lot more about these guys than we do going into next year. Yeah, that's good points about Scott Gordon. I think you're you're pretty spot on there. Um, this wasn't one of our topics before, but based off based off what you saw from Scott Gordon, um, what how much of you wants to see him back next year? Oh boy, I mean, it, a lot of me. I do like Scott Gordon. I like anybody more than Haxtell, obviously, but <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of Quenville so much, even if it's that like, Oh, he's just a name. He's a name with three Stanley cups. Um, and it's not like he just like won three in a bunch and never won anything else. That team's always been competitive. Um, and then I don't see a whole lot of other names out there, especially ones that really jump off the page. Unless you're talking like, you know, more college coaches, which are a big gamble. I could go either way. So Scott Gordon, I mean, yeah, I mean, look, it, it could be Craig Berube for us. Like when he stepped in, Flyers made the playoffs and took like a team that went to the cup to game seven. And then the next year he was dog shit. So that's what I'm worried about with Scott Gordon. And he has a lot of hacksaw tendencies. Like I like that he's talkative on the bench, but he still runs his goalies into the ground. Uh, I don't think that I think the penalty kill improved a tad power play is still pretty shitty. You know, it's like the team's overall is playing better, but I think that has a lot to do with Carter Hart and, yeah, all the firings and trades that were happening because they were like, nobody's safe. If the GM could get fired, the coach can get fired, nobody's safe. I think that lit a fire under their ass more than anything. anything. 
And I do think they like and respect Gordon. I don't think he has a good track record. And I fear if they go the Gordon route going into next year, they're going to be mediocre again. They might be playing well, better, safer, but they're not going to have – they're just not going to have that extra oomph to, to keep the tempo going at all times. They still come out to slow starts, much like they did under Hackstall, of, of the games of important periods. They don't get up for the important games. I heard Bill Matz from uh, Broad Street Hockey like kind of get go after not like he kind of defended the team like well we can't get every game is a playoff game you can't get up for every single game and yeah well that's true but like if you're playing well and you're pitted up against a team that you know is right there for you against you in the standings you don't show up at all you can't tell me that's not ridiculous like I get what he's saying you play all these quote unquote playoff games you drop one. Well, how come the one they always drop is against Columbus, Carolina, or Montreal? Yep. Like, come on. And on top of that, when they play the real premier teams, they still get smoked. And a, a lot of that reminds me of Hackstall. I'm ready to move on. I mean, we need a whole other person voice outside of the organization. That's what I want. That's what this team needs. And you might see a serious spark into their ass. And, you know, who knows? Maybe, this, maybe this team we're seeing how they're playing right now, they could play that way the whole season. Yeah, I, and I agree with you because what I'm worried about is, you know, this is the best that they're ever going to play under Gordon. You, do you know what I mean? Um, they started out when Gordon first came around. It was kind of a breath of fresh air because Dave Hackstall was such a stiff, um, you know. And then when what's his name Scott Gordon went on a little bit of a run there, it was like all right, cool, like he, he's doing good. But now, I think maybe the last couple weeks, and, and I'm sure the team is a little bit. Uh, you know they probably lost a step because they've been they've really been playing for their playoff lives for the last month and a half, two months. Um, so they're probably a little bit gassed. But I think what we're seeing now is the real Scott Gordon. You know he's kind of in the middle of uh, when they were on that eight game win streak and when he first took over. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I mean the streak aside because that was something special, honestly. Um, and they just been playing better hockey lately. It seems like they're taking care of business against the the Ottawa's, you know, but then you put them up against Washington and they ne- they never look like they're even in the game. Yep. And they have a late push, but that's really it. The only the only thing that surprised me is they handled Pittsburgh. Um, the Toronto games, they can look 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 what happened. Like they can score against that team because that team doesn't have much defense. They're all offense, and for Anderson, who's getting tired, you can tell. Um, and they, they blow one lead that they should have had. And then they have an onslaught in the other one and they come away the victors. But, you know, the, it's like playing lightning and coming out on the winning end. Oh, that's another thing to play. They've never, I can't remember the last time they beat the lightning, you know, like when they play these top tier teams, they just get embarrassed and uh, they can't do that. Like you have to, you, you can't just like beat up on the teams that are around your positioning and lower and then just get obliterated by like the real teams. Cause otherwise what's the point you have no chance when you make the playoffs at that point. Like, well, what are we saying? Oh, let's hope they make the playoffs playoff hockey. Oh, they're going to get smoked by Tampa. Like what the hell's the point of that? Mm-hmm. And I made a really good point about, I do. I agree with you hundred percent. I didn't even think about it till you actually said it out loud. This is probably the best they're going to play under Gordon. And a lot of times teams don't play their best all the time. So that's why I'm kind of like, you know, maybe you're right. Going to next year, and this is the best we see. Well, what about the rest of the season? Like, they're going to be like a bubble playoff team again. They they got to be better than that. 
Yeah, and I think like a guy like Quenville, I think could possibly put this team, this exact team, you know, maybe they add a guy, uh, a, a guy or two to the fourth line. Um, maybe they bring in a subtle move to to the third line as a center, or even Scotty Lawton played uh, pretty well this year. Um, I think a, a guy like and you saw you saw it in uh, in um, New York with the Islanders. They lost one of the best players in the NHL, and they went and got one of the best coaches in the NHL. And, and look what that team's doing. They completely changed how they play. Um, uh, guys like Thomas Grice and, and Robin Lanner are uh, up for up. Yeah, I think somebody brought Lanner up as a Vesna candidate or something, but they, they both have five shutouts apiece and they're, they're playing strong uh, team hockey. And I think if you bring in a guy like Quenville with this team now, I think the Flyers can make some noise, but they need, a, they need an alpha in that locker room. They need someone who can kind of contain uh, guys like curb the bullshit from guys like ghost um, and somebody who can lead the younger players. And I think a guy like Quenville would absolutely do that. No, I mean, I, I agree. And it's like a lot of people say, Oh, coaches are just figureheads. It's like, that's Islanders are a perfect example. How that's not true. Like yeah. they lose the top five player in the league. They really don't add anybody. I mean, besides a goaltender who's, it, it, I mean, yeah, he's good, but like, it's the structure of that team. That's, I mean, it's the coach. He's the he can win the Jack Adams this year. Like, he's he's the guy that turned them around, and we all know it. And uh, they, I agree. Yeah, and they don't have the talent, to be honest, to you know, to say it's anything else. They got Filippola. Well, you know, and he's going to take them <laughs> all the way to the cup, baby. Oh my god. Uh, who would have ever thought you lose John Tavares, you sign Valtteri Filippola, and you're in first place in the Metro? Who would have ever thought? It was too good to last, and that's why they're no longer in first place. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's move on a little bit here. We touched on Cam Talbot. He's going to be starting in a game tomorrow, is it, against the Hurricanes? What? I mean, just go off, Jack. What do you think about this whole situation? They moved Anthony Stolarz for, for nothing, basically. Not that Anthony Stolarz was any kind of a world beater, because if you if you scroll through Flyers Twitter that night, you think he was a friggin' Vesna candidate or some whatever. How, what's going on with the Cam Talbot situation, and why are they why did they wait till now to get him in some games? I it, honestly, I, I think it comes back to Scott Gordon, starting guy he thinks he can win with, and to to be honest, like Elliot had been playing better lately. But, I mean, with Hart being injured, it was like he's got to play at least one game, right? Mm -hmm. And he only came in for, like, to spell somebody or something. It was just very strange. And from a GM standpoint, it makes zero sense. This is the first time you're seeing him, like, really start a game. You're trying to – the whole point you traded uh, an asset of your own to get him was to see how he would look with your team so you can re-sign him. And he's buddies with Carter Hart. And mainly, I would think that while you like Elliot, you can't trust him to stay healthy anymore. When he gets hurt, he's not just nicked up. but He's out for long periods of time. That can't be your backup goalie. So that's why we're going to go get this guy. And there's all these other intangibles that we like. And you don't test them out. Well, why would you give up an asset then? Go sign him a free agency. And they're making it sound like they might re-sign Elliot, I don't think they will, but it's definitely possible. 
and it, it's just it's so strange to me it, it I don't understand why you don't just trade if you're hell bent on trading Stolarz. You're convinced he's not going to resign. Trade him for picks, picks that you can use either as a sweetener in another deal later, or for more prospects. Like you can never have enough as long as they eventually come up, or you move them when the time is right. But to just give him up to grab a guy that you don't, you, he at the most he can play. He'll play like three or four games. That's and I think that's generous. That's ridiculous, for, especially considering when you got him. That is absolutely ridiculous. Like you're defeating the whole purpose of why I traded for him now and didn't just go and sign him. So again, poor asset management. It's stupid. And it just it just goes with the whole Samuel Ran thing. And I don't know what direction this team has because they're doing things that are counterintuitive of the other thing. Like you're getting you want the young guys to trade it for Hartman, but then you bring back Raffle. So forget all the prospects. Forget forget Farabee, you signed an entry level deal, Rubstoff. I just don't know what the hell this team is doing. And if they sign more than one free agent to start, I'm really going to be confused. And I want to know what the hell they're doing with Elliot. (laughs) Is he honestly coming back? All I have is more questions. How do I have more questions after the trade deadline? That makes no sense to me. Unless the team made the playoffs, oh, well, this guy's doing good. This guy's doing good. No, they didn't do any of that. They didn't make it. They're done. They're cooked. I don't know what the fuck's going on with this team. I should have a good idea what's going on, and I don't. Hmm. Anything can happen, and I'll just have to swallow it. It's I'm probably getting more angry than I should. No, no, I love so, it. I like it. It's just, it's just so, it's just so strange. I just don't get it. Like if I was a beat writer, I'd be like, "What? Just in the nicest way possible? What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, see, like, why did you trade for Scott? Why is this the first time we're seeing him? Why was the first time we saw Moran?" What are you doing with Scott Gordon? What are you doing with Raffle? What are you doing with these prospects? Are you going to go after somebody free agency? Are you going to offense, defense? Are you going to center? Are you going to wing? Are you going one on oh, one on D? Are you bringing back Elliot? Are you what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't make. I'm just baffled. I, I have so many questions for this team and this GM, and the way they've handled everything makes me think they're going to fuck it up even more. Well, now that I've got you good and good and angry over here, let me ask you about somebody I know you've been dying to talk about. The one, okay. Ryan Hartman. It's not who I thought you were going to say. I'm actually glad you did. <laughs> who did you think I was going to say? I thought you were going to say Andrew McDonald's. No, no, no. I would never do that. We only have an hour for the show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan Hartman. Good old. Um, yeah, so uh, Ryan Hartman. I feel like we didn't really touch on him when the trade went down. We were very much on how do we do with the trade. Goodbye, Simmons. Favorite Simmons memories. Oh, we only got a fourth that turns into a third. We should have gotten more. You know, we're going to really zero in on who is Ryan Hartman. And basically, from the reports that I've been reading, he was the 30th overall pick of the 2013 draft by the Chicago Blackhawks. Guess which player he's compared to? Who? Mike Richards. This is uh, Ryan Hartman. His uh, draft profile, one of the ones I'm reading, says he's uh, basically a Mike Richards prototypes, as was Scott Lawton when he was drafted. But I find that very interesting. Minus the cocaine, I assume. Uh, he was more of a pill popper. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a Jordy Letair. Uh, Mike Richards was a, uh, yeah, a, uh, what do they call those? Hey, maybe if maybe if you think uh, Ryan Hartman popped a couple of them, you think he scored 30 goals? Well, that's what it said here. It says that at 5'11", 190 pounds, Hartman's size isn't exactly eye-popping, but his ability to excel at all facets of the game certainly does. 
And basically, he's got a little bit of scoring touch with that. And to be honest, he got off his his career to pretty much a hot start with uh, Chicago. He had 19 goals in his first real like rookie season. Um, but see, then and that was the 76 game, 30 a respectable 31 points. Then last year, he played a total of 78 games, 57 with Chicago, 21 with Nashville. He only his goals dropped off. He actually had the same exact amount of points, but he had 20 assists, 11 goals. So the goal drop off is what I think Nashville was worried about. Um, then come, then he was a perfect 500 before he got traded here. 64 games, 10 goals, 10 assists, 20 points, and in 14 game with the Flyers this year. Two goals, three assists for five points. I just think he's underutilized, honestly. And it's another thing I want to see him move up the lineup before guys like Roffle because he's supposed to have the grit and skill to excel. And he's not going to do that playing on the fourth line as much as I like him there. And he's capable. I think he's capable of more. I mean, his potential is that of like a top, top four, you know, winger. I mean, that's being generous, but same time, I mean, second line players like what he should be aiming for and if not even gonna give him a chance what the hell's the point so i mean i do like how he plays he reminds me he does remind me of richest to be honest and you know he could be like another connecting in ways i don't think he's as fast obviously but you know he's a first round pick for a reason what what is your beat on uh ryan Hartman? i like him so be, right before i guess right after the trade actually i went and looked up some uh some videos on ryan hartman and obviously it's all his highlights and stuff um, I think what we're seeing now is, you know, there's a reason why uh, he's only putting up 10 <clears throat> career highs, 19 goals was first year in the league with the Blackhawks. But I think he was playing with guys like Kane and Taves for a while. Uh, he had 10 goals, 10 assists before being traded to the Flyers this year in 64 games. Nashville had a lot of depth. There wasn't really a lot of space for him on the roster. Uh, they made the move for Wayne Simmons because they, I think they're really struggling on the power play. Uh, little did they know that Simmons is not really going to help them out that much. But they gave up Ryan Hartman in a fourth-round pick for him anyway. So for me, Ryan Hartman, I think he's a perfect third-line player. Um, if they want, if they need to switch him to the fourth line or maybe they can bump him up to the second line if they're in a pinch, whatever. But I think he's a perfect third-line guy. Um, and if, if they can match him up with a guy like Lawton or uh, somebody like that. I mean, for me, I think nowadays <laughs> it used to be the fourth line was like your tough guy line or your your, your uh, grinder line. Your third line was kind of like your defensive line or whatever, right? And you, then you had your top two scoring lines. Now I think maybe things have changed a little bit. I think now you kind of need that third line to, to score some goals. And like, like you said, uh, Ryan Hartman still kind of fits that description where he's got some toughness, he can play physical, and he's got hands. Uh, you can put the puck in the net a little bit. So maybe, you know, if they go out and get – uh, a, th- a 3C who can be bumped up to the second line and he ends up on a line with Nolan Patrick on the third line or, or whoever they may pick up. I think that third line's looking pretty good. Um, so I- I'm happy with what I've seen from Ryan Hartman so far. Um, like we mentioned earlier with Michael Raffle, uh, I don't think Ryan Hartman's, even though he had a pretty big goal uh, last night, I'm not, I can't remember if it was the winning goal or not. I actually know what it wasn't the winning goal because it went to a shootout. Uh, but you know, I don't think he's going to lose you too many games. You know what I mean? Uh, he seems to have a pretty good knack around the net. Uh, set, I think he set up JVR for a kind of a sneaky goal a couple games ago, and then he scored a pretty good-looking goal last night. I think he's a good player, and 
he serves a purpose, you know. And I think that's important when you when you go get these players and you re-sign guys. What purpose do they serve? Are you just signing this guy to put him on a fourth line? Are you just bringing him in to put him on a fourth line? And, and the examples would be Yuri Laterra and another another quick um, reason why I'm okay with the Raffle signing. Not to get off topic here from Ryan Hartman, but you know they went out and they signed a guy like Dale Weiss for two years too long and a million dollars too much. You know what I mean? Um, so they had a guy like Michael Raffle. They didn't let him hit free agency. They signed him to a two-year deal, uh, 1.6 over – I'm sorry, 3.2 over two years. Um, so uh, to me, it was a safe move, and they, they didn't end up screwing themselves in the offseason with, with a Dale Weiss-type move uh, like we've seen before. So I think a guy like Ryan Hartman, I think if you can sign him to a similar contract as Michael Raffle, maybe even like a two-year, two-year, two two-million-dollar deal, something short like that, just to just to see what he's got. Uh, he's 24 already, so you know. Long story short, I like what I'm seeing from Ryan Hartman. I think he'd be good on the third line, and, and I'd, I'd like to see them resign him. I mean, they better resign him. But like one thing that you said is like why he's signing this guy for a role. And I do think he can be good. I do think he'd be great for the third line, like you were saying, especially if Morgan Frost is ever the center. I could see him being a nice winger for him on the third line. But uh, are we just re-signing this guy because we actually like him or because he's who you got for Wayne Simmons and you can't get rid of the guy you got for Wayne Simmons? And I know we were told that you're going to like him, and I see why. Um, He also has been compared to Ryan Callahan. You know what Mike Richards and Ryan Callahan have in common? What they were team captains, like, and that's there's something to be said for that. You know, you lead by example. Not, I'm not talking about scoring 99 goals, but you know, you lead by example how you play. Like his strengths are his hockey sense, his hockey IQ. I'm pretty sure that's the same thing. Tenacity, checking, play along the boards, crashing the net, speed, defensive play, and awareness, accuracy with his shots, and like his flaw, like was filling out his frame. Like that's not a whole lot to shit on. You know, so, I mean, there's a lot of good here. And for a guy that I was, you know, you read, he should have, uh, he went in between, he was expected to go in between 20 and 30. And, but the, a lot of the uh, analysts were like, I wouldn't be surprised if he went between 10 and 20 because of how he plays the game. And, you know, you like to read that, especially from a smaller guy. I just, I do think he'll be better off playing with more talent. So I hope they get that talent, even if it is on the third line. Otherwise, I feel like they're just wasting it. Um, but it's still early. I don't want to get too judgmental. That's a little ridiculous. Yeah, we've got all summer. we got all summer to be well, It's just like I feel like we got him and nobody's really talked about it. You know what I mean? Like we're already overlooking it. You're right. You're right. So, I mean – Let's. I'll move on to our last topic because Ryan Hartman could still be, he could still be part of that. How do you feel uh, if this team went into the next season, uh, 2019, 2020, with the same exact roster, um, and uh, I don't know Scott Gordon as the coach? We'll do that. We'll do I, that scenario first. I would feel like. Chuck Fletcher died of a heart attack in an emergency. They brought back Ron Hextall. <laughs> I mean, it, it, to, I mean, to do nothing for a team that missed the playoffs. And yes, I understand. Hart came up. You know, you got Hartman and <clears throat> you know, young guys coming up and all that. 
but to not take advantage of some of these high premium free agents and certain players that we have that are have some entry level time and could have bridge deals as well and just to let that slide and then not go get the uh, Stanley Cup winning head coach who again should never be available you know like they're only usually available in rare circumstances especially a guy who won three cups with one team uh, and you don't even give him an offer you know with all the money that they have and it doesn't affect your cap and I gotta go see fucking Andrew McDonald doing snow angels on the fucking ice on two on ones that turns into two on O's because you felt you didn't have to do anything it's just completely unacceptable. I would try to have optimism, like maybe they can continue this play in the next year. I'm way too – I've been watching this team way too long to know that if they didn't touch this team, they could get off to a hot start. By that, I mean they win two, three games. And then the wheels would fall off the wagon and we'd be dealing with the same shit we were last year. We'd be calling for Scott Gordon's head. We'd be even probably calling for Fletcher's head for sitting on his hands. There's no way that happens. He was brought in here to do something, and considering the trade deadline was very lackluster, he better pull some shit out of his ass at the trade or at the um, the draft and make some trades. And then when July 1st comes around, he better be in contact with every player's agent there is. Yep. Um, so let's say they do get a coach. And, and, you know, let's say let's say it is Q. How does Jack feel heading into next season with the same exact roster and, and Joel Quenball as the coach? Well, a lot better than the rant I just went on, that's for sure. <laughs> they at least on some level showed me that they do care about winning at the NHL level. And if that tells me they really believe in the team they have, which would make me very skeptical. I hope if that happened that they just struck out on free agents because at the end of the day, it takes two to tango. If you offer a guy $10 million over eight years or seven years and another team offers him $9 million over four years and he goes with that team, well, we really offered him a better deal, but he chose not to play with us. Like, there's not much you can do, you know? So I would hope that those reports came out, but – then they got to go, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go sign the guy that there is no cap to. We're going to improve the team that way and improve from within, which is, to be honest, the best way to have sustained success if you do it right. Teams that draft well are good for longer periods of time. Teams that spend always go through droughts where they have to rebuild because they get, like Chicago, like they get fucked with contracts. You can sign guys – like their defenseman, who who's the one? Oh God, I can't believe I can't even think of his name. It's Duncan Keith, and who's the other guy? Seabrook. Seabrook is signed to a ridiculous deal, and he's absolutely terrible. Huh. And it's like that's the price you pay. Like you go get Marion Hosa, and you sign. Well, they did. I know they drafted Taze and Kane, but look at the contracts. Are they to resign them? They're paying them to. If you have sustained success, you just you don't have to resign those players. You can play hardball and even let them go or let one of them go and just bring up the young kids to replenish. And you might not win the champ, the Stanley cup every year, but you're going to be good again. You're going to be good soon. And that's the way you're supposed to do it. That's actually a Hexall thing, but at least having a coach would show me that they're willing to spend their money, stay away from the cap and improve the team 
the best way that they can. So I wouldn't be, I would be disappointed where I'd be angry if it was the exact same team with Scott Gordon, where if it was just Quenville and nothing else, I would be disappointed. I would need more intangibles about how the contracts fell apart, but I would definitely be excited for Quenville. That's for sure. Yeah. And I have to agree there. I mean, for myself, I kind of like this roster with the, with the exception of a couple guys, but, um, and I, it's the same two guys that I, I, you know, I talk about, I bring up every time or other people bring up, but I honestly, I, I can live with those guys. If you bring in the, the proper coach, um, like a true leader, a guy that can deal with the, with that kind of stuff, um, a guy that can squeeze the most out of his best players. And I think board check can be better. Um, we know Goss Despair can be better. Um, it's it's really it's really easy actually to say oh so this guy's having a bad year, you know let's get rid of him you know, uh, and I know there's there's a lot more to that for, at least for me with Goss Despair. Um, Borchek is six sixty point a year player because I know he scored eighty points twice in his career, but he, he's a sixty sixty five point player you know even though he's not getting paid like that that's what he is. I think a guy like Quenville can maybe squeeze a little bit more juice out of there. You know, maybe, you know, who who knows? But that's just my opinion, and I think that's the move. If there's any move that they make over the summer, it's to bring in Quenville, and and I'll be happy with this roster. You know, they, they'll bring up kids throughout the throughout the year, I'm sure, and in the next couple of years as well. Um, yeah. So that's 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 what I think there. Um, <clears throat> Something else I wanted to bring up here, you know, since we are starting to see, you know, the kids come up a little quicker, possibly. Do you think there's a possibility they they make a move like they clear some space off the roster? Like I'm thinking like, uh, you know, Richards Carter, like Braden Shen type deal. You know what I mean? I mean, those three deals, I don't think anybody saw coming. Yeah. So it's like it would have to be something like that. And I honestly, with all the prospects we have, which we were saying earlier in the show, I really hope they do do something like that. It makes sense. I don't know who that player would be. I would hate for them to trade Ghost because they're going to lose that trade. To what you were saying about it, like you don't want to give up on him. Look how much I hated on Gudis after last season, how good he's been this year. You know, you don't want to – especially with that contract for Ghost being so team-friendly. I don't, I don't want the – and I could see him moving Ghost Fletcher. It just feels like Ghost is the one in the doghouse. So I don't know. It depends on what teams are offering. Uh, I wouldn't mind to see Hag get moved. You know, we'll see. I, I hope. I do hope something like that happens with a player I'm not very fond of, just to free up some cap and get some serious assets back. Because look what that Richards and Carter trade did for Philly. Look what the prospects we're getting for Shen, Morgan Frost, and Farabee. I'll take that all day. <laughs> me? It could be the quarter, cornerstone of the team for the next 15, 10, 15 years. Couturier is probably our best player, and he was a, he was a part of the – him and Vorchek and the third were for Carter. We, like, we didn't even talk about Couturier on the show tonight. But, but oh, could geez. it be possible that he could be the best player on the team? I think he's been the best player this year. Like, all around. Like, I know Giroux is Giroux. But could could Sean Couturier be the most complete player on this team? Just the way he puts his offensive numbers up now with his goal scoring. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and how good he is defensively. Like, that's the guy I want to follow. You know what I mean? How amazing he is that? Does, 
he just does it on both sides of the ice and he never really complains. And his shootout goal the other night was beautiful. <laughs> and he just keeps scoring. Like it's just, whether it's a tip, he's just always in the right spot. And he very, if he does this again next year, he's the guy. It's his team. A hundred percent agree. Most, if not all, of our topics. Was there anything you wanted to add in the last couple minutes here? No, I just wanted how you were saying about Quenville and if the team was the same. If Quenville were to come here and he could do half, just half, of what Barry Trotz did to the Islanders, this team could challenge for the division. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're winding down here. I, uh, I mean, if you don't have anything else, we can wrap this one up. Let's put a bow on it, Jimmy. It's uh, unfortunately that time of year. Flyers again yeah. are uh, not going to make the playoffs. And if they did, they would be annihilated, embarrassed, demolished. So what's the point? Yeah, maybe, maybe they saved us some, uh, some time. You know, as much as I did want to see playoff hockey, I know after the game I would have been like, damn, I just wasted three hours of my life. I, yeah, well, if three angry hours where blood pressure goes <laughs> through the roof. And, and yeah, and especially, I mean, when it's against the division rival, it's worse, especially Pittsburgh. So this year, if they did sneak in, it wouldn't have been that. But it's never good to see your team losing, you know, seven to one. Um, but yeah, you know, I was at the very least, I was hoping we could see what we're looking at next year, but we're only going to have a handful of games at that. So yeah, again, at least we can watch point? a couple games without any pressure, I guess, just to watch. If, 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 in yeah. fact, I mean, I'll watch. I know you'll watch. I don't know if a lot of people are still watching out there. I think everyone switched over to the Phillies. Oh, yeah, especially after today. You forget about it. Yeah, forget it. All right, so let's wrap this one up. Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, you can find Jack on Twitter at Jack underscore HW Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Jim underscore HW Radio, uh, as well as Instagram at Angry underscore Jim. Um, let me see. What do I have? Anything coming up here? Oh, I'll be I'm actually heading up to Montreal tomorrow morning for a bachelor party weekend. Um, so, yeah, maybe I'll have some stories for the next show. Uh, I'm going to try to record a, a seriously WTF up there. We'll see. Uh, sure to be some good stuff going on. A lot of WTF moments. Um, Jack, if you got nothing else, we can sign off and uh, we'll we'll meet up uh, same time, same day next week. Yeah, I'm good. We, I uh, Until future notice, that's all I got. All right, man. All right, we'll wrap this one up. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you soon.